0: Hey, Breakthrough listeners, it's Jason Lowe and Peter Lount from episode number 107. At Ascendant Financial, mybankersvault.com, we specialize in teaching real estate investors across Canada the process of becoming your own banker, the infinite banking concept. Do you also find it frustrating when it's difficult to access the financing you need or when the housing market moves against you? And when there's unexpected prolonged vacancy or expensive repairs, are you tired of transferring all that money away from you? We have the solution at MyBankersVault.com. By becoming your own banker, anything that you are already doing financially, including real estate investing, is radically improved. Whether utilizing this process for down payments or for entire real estate purchases, becoming your own banker puts you in a position to control the repayment schedule on your loans while enhancing your overall returns. Whether you are brand new to real estate or a seasoned investor, we believe that ready access to money and financial control should be in your hands not the banks or a loan officer. We have an exclusive and irresistible package for Breakthrough Podcast listeners. If you want the best way to build and deploy capital, easier access to money, better returns, and less headaches, head on over to MyBankersVault.com. That's MyBankersVault.com. Tired of the 9
1: to 5? Tired of only dreaming about the things you want to do? Want to have more time for your family? More time for you? More time for you? This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast, where we interview qualified guests in the real estate industry all across Canada. We want you to live life on your terms, and we want to help you break through to that life through the power of real estate investing. This is the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. Now your hosts, Rob Brake and Sandy McKay.
2: Hello and welcome back once again, everybody. Glad to have you with us again today. And as usual, I have here sitting with me ready to go. Looking super excited for what's ahead. Mr. Sandy McKay. How's it going?
3: Fantastic. How's it going with you? excellent couldn't be better
2: i'm, I'm ready I'm, I'm feeling really excited today
3: i we were talking earlier i think this is one of the rare days that Canada's is hotter than where you are maybe or i could be wrong but we're we're summer here in, in canada you're uh i guess summer then where you are is it summer there too yeah right
2: no well there's always there. sort of yeah well yeah that's right but it's all it's yeah. sort of going into rainy season right now so we've had uh, quite a bit of rain has cooled off a little bit it's still like now it's very humid uh but you know i'm not complaining um but i don't want it any hotter so you guys can keep that i'm fine there's a lot of people
3: complaining here so far that in my uh, day i've heard a lot of people (laughs) complaining it's always funny you know one or two days a year that are that are scorching hot and people want to get out of here
2: just wear the right attire you just gotta you know yeah as as little as possible but um other than that i'm just super pumped we've had the uh the The tour that I mentioned on the last show, the investor tour that we've got in conjunction with Durham REI, sold out. A bunch of people on the waiting list already.
3: Uh, I was going to say a waiting list because I've had people ask me about it and, and I send them your way. But I'm like, I, I don't think there's any spots, but maybe a yeah, little bit more.
2: We're going to have to do another. Uh, probably in January, I think we'll do another one. But this one in November is sold out. Um, yeah, and I'm just super pumped about that. So. We've got a bunch of Canadian investors coming down here with with uh, Quentin D'Souza from Durham REI, and uh, and they're gonna have some fun, check out some properties, and uh, it's gonna be great. Awesome. So if anyone, I, I'm curious too. Um, I don't know the best way for someone to get a hold of me. I guess just the email right now. We're making a website for the uh, for the tours, but um, uh, if 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 anyone listening happens to be interested in joining in on something like that um maybe just give send me a quick email rob at mr breakthrough.ca that way we can put another one together and we know that for sure there's enough interest to do that cool and uh as usual guys you know go over to our website breakthroughreipodcast.ca listen to all the past episodes get in touch with all the past guests and uh and all the other good stuff that we got going on over there get a free gift get on our mailing list you know, all the stuff that Sandy normally talks about that I just took away.
3: <laughs> well, BreakthroughWaryPodcast.ca, they can grab the free gift when they sign up for our, our newsletter, too, so you never miss a show, and uh, get updates. And don't miss out, because I'm sure lots of people are listening mm-hmm. to this now and maybe saying, damn, I wish I, I knew about that tour. Well, get on the list there, and you'll you'll get the first crack at things like that. So uh, don't miss out on that. Go uh, register for that when you get a chance today. Grab our free gift, the ultimate, wealth, the ultimate strategy for really wealth through real estate.
2: And um, leave us a rating and review over on iTunes, guys. You know, that helps. Um,
3: just and tell us whatever
2: topics you want to hear on the show, maybe that we haven't touched on in a little while. We've been doing some really good shows lately, I think. We're getting some good feedback. And, and, and actually, the, the, uh, getting a lot of new listeners lately as well. So just uh, excited all around to be able to share, you know, continue sharing with people uh, on all this Canadian real estate investing content so we're going to keep it up uh and today is no different we've got a great guest with us david joe vaniello and uh really excited to uh talk to him today so um without further ado welcome to the show
4: yep, thank you very much thank you for having me i'm excited myself
3: awesome <laughs> happy to have you here and uh, really glad rob you went for that name first thank you uh, I'll, I'll, I'll probably try it here too but uh, i think you nailed it so uh, David uh, Giovanello Gio is an investor focused. You just butchered it. I butchered, butchered it right it. after that. No, um, <laughs> he's an investor, investor-focused realtor He lives in London, uh, working in primarily London for 20 plus years as a realtor and investor, and does a lot of coaching with investors. Um, multiple strategies that you've used over the years to invest yourself and build wealth, and uh, so we're looking forward to learning more about this and uh, and your journey. Thank you yeah. for being here again and. Um, you know, why don't you start out with just telling us a little bit more about uh, how you got started in real estate and your uh, your twenty four plus years in, in the business.
4: Yeah, yeah, it makes me sound old when I hear it like that twenty four years. But anyways, thanks guys, thanks for having me on here.
3: I love talking about real estate
4: and it's one of my my major passions. So to get a chance to teach people and tell my story, um, I'm honored to be able to do that. So yeah, I've been I've been investing for twenty four years. And I started when I was 22 years old. I bought a house that was a duplex and I lived in one unit and rented out the other. They didn't have the term house hacking back then, but now it's a little bit common that that's the way people get started out. Um, So yeah, that was an amazing way for me to to get ahead. And and I recommend it to everyone. Um, It's a great way to keep your expenses down. So I remember back then I was paying, I think $200 a month to live so I was able to save a ton of money and be able to scale the business really early. So I bought a student rental after that and started investing in, in flips and in burrs. Um, so, yeah, that the house hacking gave me the huge head start at a, at a young
2: age. And I guess when I think about it, I know that I don't sound as old as you, even though I think you you might be younger than me. But, <laughs> um, but that was like, I think, 17 years ago when my wife and I did the same thing. Uh, yeah. You know, and it, it is, it's the best way to get started. I mean, especially if you, you know, don't have a bunch of money in your pocket. Um, it, it works really, really well to all of a sudden go from, you know, not knowing where your next meal is coming from to potentially having more money at the end of the month. Right.
4: Yeah. So, so true. And I try to re- re- recommend to anyone, especially the young people just getting started out, you don't need that massive house off the start. You can have a goal to get that one day, but the house hacking will allow you to keep those expenses down. And then it's also your first rental property. For myself, I kept that property. I eventually bought a home with my, my wife that we lived in and raised a family in. But I still have that duplex from 24 years ago that my son now has actually moved into as of May 1st, which is actually pretty cool too. So he's living in the same unit that I lived in in my early 20s. He's not getting off light though, hopefully. He's getting off a little later than I did, but he still has his responsibilities.
3: That's super yeah. cool. That's it's great. It's great. Like great advice for half the hot for people to do that, and or just buy a rental property somehow. Period. If depending if you're living at home, even maybe maybe there's an option to just buy a rental property rather than you know going out and spending all all your money trying to survive month to month. I think that's yeah. uh, pretty good advice and, and buying homes for your kids, incredible uh, opportunity there too. When you, when you buy those properties early on, you know, one day down the road, 18 plus years down the road, when your kid's ready to move out, what an opportunity for them to, yeah. to learn and, and see that, how that, that benefits generations.
2: Well, let's talk about how you actually got into that. Was it fluke? You were just buying a house. It happened to be a duplex or did you, were you like, uh, intentionally seeking out that kind of uh, investment?
4: So yeah, I it was intentionally seeking out, but luckily to be raised by my mother. So my mother, um, after she got divorced, she was a, basically a single mother um, working on a secretary's salary. And I watched her go from, we'd move into like a semi, she would fix the house up and then we would sell it, say a year later and we'd upgrade. And I saw how real estate was this amazing tool for just the average person right? Uh, you know, a single mom on a secretary salary, we were able to move up. She eventually had rental properties and we moved into like a 3,200 square foot house um, a few years later. So I saw the power of real estate. And so with her guidance, definitely, and her motivation, I had the mindset of to get that duplex and start start that way. Um, so yeah, it wasn't just luck, that's for sure. It was um, proper guidance and and then, you know, me paying attention and wanting to do the same.
2: Yeah, that's very cool. You know, I didn't I didn't even notice it at the time, but my parents did small things like that too where they would buy most of the time it was just a piece of land, right? And they'd get so excited and we'd go and like hack down all the trees and, and clear <laughs> it clear it, never build anything. And then a few years later they would sell it. Um and then we did that like quite a few times. But I didn't clue into it, I think the way that I should have, the way that you did by the sounds of it.
4: Yeah, I think that you know, for myself, I have other brothers. They, they, didn't, you know, gravitate to the to the entrepreneur life as much as I did. But I think you still plant seeds as a parent. Those seeds, when, what you do, plant seeds in your children, and they see it, and they might not pick it all up, but they're picking some of it up for sure.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: <clears throat> what do we got? Uh, what- what, what other properties did you invest in then? So your you, house hack starting out, I know there's a, you know, we've got a pretty long list of types of property strategies. You yeah. why, don't you, why don't you take us through some of those uh, Yeah. You know, so, the evolution of your strategies and, and what you were investing in?
4: Yeah, so I'll kind of go through the whole evolution and, and to where I've, I've found my niche now. But yeah, so I started with that house hacking and then I was young guy. So 22 years old, I think by the time I was 23 or 24, I purchased um, a student rental. So I was able to, feel like I related to the students back then and is this I, all in I London
3: I, I, is this all London Ontario
4: and yeah everything everything pretty much I've done is in London Ontario um so it was all all in London yeah so London's a great student rental market you have Western and Fanshawe so it's it's a great spot and so that student rental created unbelievable cash flow for me at that age well what I thought was unbelievable cash flow for sure so mm-hmm. I was living for free and then getting great cash flow from this rental. Um, and then after that, I purchased another duplex that was in the same, it was in the student area. Well, I shouldn't even say it wasn't even a duplex. It was a single family home near the students. I converted it to a duplex, brought it to its highest and best use. So I made it to a five bedroom main floor and a, a two bedroom upper. So I had you know, a student rental on the main floor and then like grad students above it. Um, so, and I ended up keep, keeping that one for a few years and eventually sold it. Um, I did a, a flip. Um, and then at one point I got into rent owns There was a, a time where rent-to-owns had a, had a place. And I feel like they're going to be coming back here when people have a hard time qualifying. <clears throat> but um, that was a, a rewarding thing as well, where I got into the rent owns I was able to help people as well as make money. Um, so it it, had, it was kind of like a win-win and it was very controlled. Um, and then I also uh, purchased, um, I got a list here, but yeah. So I, oh yeah, I bought a fourplex that I still own today, um, bought another duplex that I still own today. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't want to bore people with you know too many of the details, but <laughs> I've done a little bit of, of it all. Um, and then now I, I I kept all the multifamily, And I've grown to to bigger now from there.
2: Yeah. And we're going to talk about that uh, down the line. Let's just transition into some of the challenges that you ran into, because that's always like a really interesting uh, conversation that we have with the guests is. I always expect it to be one thing and then it's and then it's usually a different thing. Like the challenges are are not very they're not the technical things that I thought that they would be. Right. So what 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 have you run into?
4: You know, you probably you run into all kinds of problems in real estate. It's not it's not just so black and white and so easy um, and totally passive, especially early on when I was doing all the work. But the biggest thing that happened to me being young was that you run to a cap and, and every investor has this problem. I feel this is probably the most common common problem for investors that want to scale is that eventually the banks say no more. Um, or you run out of down payment money. I can only burst so many times or refinance so many times before the banks just say no. So that was probably the biggest concern I had or biggest obstacle I had was I couldn't grow anymore. So I probably took a couple of years off and just you know, sat there with what I had. I was pretty happy with my rentals, but I wanted more. And so I went to the route of joint ventures, which is common amongst most investors that have a lot of units. And so I brought on um, joint venture partners.
2: Yeah. And now, like, just because I'm, I'm curious on the, uh, like I was saying, on those two sort of, th- th- that's always the challenge. That's always the answer. Uh, that we hear is the financing, right? Like I wanted to sure. grow, and then that was one of the issues that got in the way. And here's how I solved it. But on the other side, like, have you ever had any? Um, like, you do do a bunch of rentals and you will buy, fix, uh, refi the uh, the properties that you purchase. So, what kind of like things have you run into on that side?
4: Well. I guess all kinds of things that way. So the biggest thing that I try to teach people is to treat it like a business. And your number one customer is your tenant. So I try to treat my tenants with the utmost respect and I treat them like a customer, that they're always right. Um, I give regular gifts to the good ones that pay on time, right? that keep their units and keep the buildings in good shape. And so early on, that wasn't the way I was, or I wasn't always that way. You know, I, there was a learning curve to, to learn that the tenants were very important to my business um, and it's a mutual respect. So early on, I, I did find that um, I needed to learn that. And also I found that inherited tenants, I had way more issues with than tenants that I chose and we started the process together. We both, you know, knew the, knew the expectations of each other and I feel like that's really important that you you set the expectations and and what you're going to provide and then actually provide that for those tenants. And so I find that's really important. I try to teach that a lot.
3: Yeah, that's a, a component to like you say, if it, treating it like a business, most businesses you you have a similar challenge when you go and take over a business. You know, you inherit whatever problems. It's tough to to optimize that and make it better versus starting from scratch, like kind of you're saying, starting from scratch with fresh people, you know, new relationships, that's, you're starting together. It's often a little bit simpler, not always possible, but yeah. always, always. Especially when
2: you're buying the multi, like the bigger multis like you're doing now. For sure. Right. Yeah, And,
3: the, and the, the other, the other thing
4: is very important is to put together a team. So I, I treat it like a business. So I'm not going there and trying to tinker on how to fix a plumbing issue. I have a team. For every aspect of the business, and so I'm just, everything's just a phone call or a text away. So the tenants are being dealt with quickly and by the proper professional. And then I treat those professionals with respect too. I pay them on time because I want them to be there for me very quickly. So a proper team all around on the buying, regarding you know real estate, real estate agents, lawyers, inspectors, appraisals, but also on the owning side. Where you have, you know, handyman, plumbers, electricians, and the whole gamut.
3: Was there an evolution to that, to coming to that point and treating it that way too, or like because you know a lot of people starting out early on, they're they're trying to do everything themselves, especially yeah. especially when they're you know younger in, in life and they're they haven't maybe matured in other ways around that. It's it's tough to to get to that mindset of I should have people helping me so I can. Go to Costa Rica and hang out for however right. long you go in there, and you know things it, like that.
4: A hundred percent is there is a, a process to that, and it, it most most people now right now, especially because the cash flow and the cap rates are so low, there's not enough spread. Most people do try to do too much, and then it comes across as unprofessional or costs them more money. And I actually find sometimes with some of my joint ventures, I have to have this conversation with them because they'll see maybe a bigger expense than they expected on say a plumbing job that they feel they could have fixed for less money. But I have to remind them, it's a business. The idea is that they're investing and not putting their time. It's just money, not time. And um, the goal for me as an investor is to invest to create more time for my family. So me going and fixing a plumbing issue, it just isn't worth it to me. My time now is worth more than that. And people have to do that more often. Not, Not just family, man, everyone. Your time is important.
2: Yeah. Right. And what I, what I have found is that um, I used to think I was fairly efficient at fixing things, but turns out that it probably takes me three or four times the amount of time as a professional, right. With the right tools and the right knowledge to get it done. Yeah.
4: Um, so yeah, very true. the good thing is I don't have, I don't, I know I'm not good at all. So I don't even try.
3: <laughs> so That's like me too. I found yeah. out quick. I was not good either. <laughs> um, when you, what, that's, you mentioned this you know, interesting thing though in the markets, and they have you know the markets evolve and over time. But in the market, like we've seen for the most part in the last few years, pretty you know I know in London and most of Ontario, most of Canada, pretty um, pretty tight in terms of cash flow. Very tough to make you know especially you know the smaller you know duplexes things like that where the price points kind of got out of control in a lot of cases. Um, and and those are conversations I know I've had a lot of, and I'm sure you've had, had that too. And it's always like, how does well, I can't afford property management because then the numbers don't work. And it's like, how do you have those conversations with either joint ventures or, or investors they are leading uh, you know, to buy their properties? What's your take on that? Is that, well, like, what do you do in those situations?
4: So for myself, I only buy, I, I, my number one rule is buy smart. So I don't get attached to anything. My, my process is long term. So I wait things out until I find a property that works. And an example of that was last year in the hottest market we've had, I found a turnkey building, 14 units plus a garage, with a 7.5 cap rate, mint condition property in St. Thomas. So it's possible. Um, so I don't think you have to jump at a 3 or 4% cap rate because everybody else is. If you're doing the work to find off-market off deals or to find deals, it's possible to find them.
3: Yeah, a lot of people will get – probably hung up on the you know they want to buy x amount of properties and next, you know this year and they're not hitting that goal or they, or they see yeah. you know or they see 10 other people buying you know bought 10 properties this year and they're like damn yeah, i'm not keeping up um, but, and that's, get that's true like
4: that. last yeah. year was probably the the worst for that where it was like the fear of missing out everybody was watching other people Uh, Try you know, buying all kinds of properties. And that's one thing for me is I always use those people's motivation that it's possible to do, but I don't get caught up in trying to keep up with them. And that's kind of a a philosophy for me in life in general is try not to compare myself that way. So I I try to, uh, I'm a fitness, not fitness. I'm a fitness enthusiast, I guess, to try to take really good care of myself. My wife and I own a gym in that industry. It's very, very easy to compare yourself to someone and then you're never going to be satisfied and real estate investing is very similar right if you're always trying to watch what other people are doing you're probably gonna end up making a massive mistake and buying a property that's going to cost you a lot of money and the same thing you're just never going to be satisfied in your life so I try not to chase I use it as motivation
2: yeah I really like that and I think that there's um there's definitely You have to look inwards for the answers to those kind of things how fast you want to grow and what you're trying to do because i think it is all it should in my opinion all be based on your lifestyle and what you want like that is that is the bottom line it should be all like as far as real estate investing goes and how much you want to scale and how much work you want to do should all be based on what kind of lifestyle that you want to live
4: i agree 100 percent I feel real estate is the most amazing tool for the average person to get ahead in life. And every single strategy I talked about works. You just have to find what works best for you, what's going to get you to your goal. So a lot of times when I'm coaching people or even helping them buy, we start with the, the, the end goal to start and you know, try to find the best route to that or even your personality you know, what's going to be best for you, you might not want to deal with student rentals or a flip or a bursal So
2: they all work. But you have to, you know, you have to find what's going to work best for you in your situation. So let's talk about partners in that relationship that you that you formed to 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 continue to scale into these bigger buildings. Um, how do you find partners who are interested in this type of thing? And uh, like, who are like, what type of people are they?
4: Yeah, so I have a few different partners I've, I've partnered with, and many have done it now multiple times. So the way I found them, the first one was an acquaintance. They knew I was in the business. They wanted to get into real estate, but they didn't want to do the work. Um, they had capital, they had young children, but they didn't want to do the day-to-day work. And plus they were scared that they didn't know how to do the work. So with that particular partner, we bought a sixplex, um, at that point, I couldn't qualify probably on my own. It would have been difficult. Um, so we used private money, bought the sixplex. He had never seen the property at all. He trusted me 100% to do, do it. At one point, he did come to see it during the renovations, but we bird that sixplex um, each with each other. And together, we ended up buying a 12plex in um, Old South London, which is probably the best neighborhood in London for a rental property. And so that was an acquaintance that just didn't want to do the work
2: and had capital. But he saw your track record, right? And like what you had done in the past. and
4: For sure. The track record definitely helps 100%. Social media is unbelievable how it connects you with investors and connects you with people. So I've been approached many times by people on social media, but a lot of times they don't meet what I'm looking for. And so I'm a little bit pickier on who I want to work with. Um, and I really prefer to work with people who just want to put up their money and do not yeah. want to do the day-to-day work because that's where I, that's what my strength is. So I, I bring that to the table.
3: That's an important piece for people, anyone looking to do partnership, joint venture, whatever version of that, you know, it's, it's who you're going to business with kind of, especially when you your philosophy is pretty long-term, right? You're going pretty, pretty long into the future with that. You don't want to deal with someone that's not aligned in that vision and, and where you're going and and mutually benefiting each other that's right uh, right so i think uh that's a lesson a lot of people learn um, <laughs> by getting you know doing the wrong type of partnerships that's uh, right. but sounds like you, you got good clarity on that and who that person is i think that's probably as important as anything it's just understanding who your perfect person is which
2: well I, th- I think that what some people get hung up on too is they they feel like you know i'm asking for money Right. And I'm not, they, they undervalue what they bring to the table. So, so instead of being picky, like you are, you're just like, if anyone's going to give me money, like if anyone can just give me money, then I'll I'll work with them. But I think that uh, that's definitely the right approach is just make sure that you align, you know, it's not, it it can end up a lot worse than not getting the deal. Let's say.
4: That I, that I agree with hundred percent. If you have the wrong person that, That'll just make your life miserable right off the hop. So for me, again, it's all about creating more time for myself. So I don't want to have to now deal with an unhappy investor. So the idea is to be on the same page, show them good returns, and then they come back. So with that particular, my first that first joint venture, um, it was a sixplex, 12plex, and a duplex that I purchased with, with them um, that we still hold today. Um, I have another another joint venture partner that I currently hold with, and that's the 14-unit property that I bought in Saint Thomas. That was at a seven to seven and a half percent cap rate, which is unheard of, even even you know five, 10 years ago. Never mind in the market last year for for a mint property. So again, they're very happy. Um, right. And I did many rent owns. Uh, sorry, I did many joint ventures with rent owns. Which I feel is a really good way to do or get started in joint ventures because it has a fixed timeline, basically fixed numbers. And so it's very easy to structure it and to show the investor what's gonna happen. So I usually tell people in a market that rent owns can work to start with rent owns if they want to get into joint ventures because it's just it's an easier it's an easier sell. Um, and it's everything's kind of spelled out for everybody on paper
2: yeah that's a good tactic i like that uh, little bit of advice there it makes perfect sense because then then you know if it goes well you, you can move on to the next one if it and,
4: and then you then, can move on move on to bigger
2: yeah
3: absolutely way. when you've done your rentals, was have you done is it tenant first or property first uh i
4: always do tenant oh. first okay for me now property first you can make more money potentially but yeah. tenant first, you have a happier tenant more likely to close on the deal because they're choosing the property. And so I, I have an unbelievable record, perfect. I, I haven't done a ton of them. I think I've done five rent-owns, but every single one closed on the house.
2: Yeah, that's awesome.
4: So, um, and that's important. And that's my goal too. My goal, the goal is to make money, but I'm not trying to squeeze someone for money, right? So I, I had a good return, really happy with the structured return of the, of the deal. And now I have a, a person buys the home that they wanted.
2: It all went as planned and so that's rewarding and the way i'd rather it go so we'll just break it down really quick i'm sure that uh, most people understand but basically what we're talking about is when you're doing a rental I mean, if you do a tenant first you're qualifying that tenant that they'll be able to maybe they've got some issues or whatever and they can't buy something a traditional way and go to the bank and get financing but with a little bit of help there can repair their credit and be able to purchase it with the bank down the road so they would qualify as the tenant for you they would go out and and shop for the house and the other and then the other way would be to find the property first and shop that to potential tenants just wanted to <laughs> clarify good, that a little very bit. good outline <laughs> um, um,
3: why, why, why did you go into some of the bigger buildings you, you know you mentioned you were starting out more duplex R- rtos that stuff and then now um i would if Fifteen unit yeah, so or uh, the fifteen you know, unit, the
4: fifteen unit St. Thomas, um, the twelve and the six. So for those ones, again, it's actually easier to qualify for a commercial mortgage. So six units and bigger, they qualify more on the cash flow and the building itself than they do for me. So that also helps solve that problem,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
4: regarding not qualifying for mortgages anymore. So, so when you find a seven,
2: normal, you have no problem getting the the. Me? Find us When you find a seven cap rate, yeah. like, the they ban- have yeah, no problem getting <laughs> yeah. uh, financing for that. That
4: particular, that particular deal, people, like the banks, I had banks
2: fighting for that deal.
4: That, sure <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The better, that's a better way to do it.
2: Yeah, yeah, for so, sure. And then your partner's probably like, okay, well, where's the next? You know, let's yeah. find another one like this.
4: My, the problem with that one, my partner said we had to pay too much tax last year. That was the bigger problem, right? The <laughs> tax bill was too high. That's too a good problem.
3: Money. Big tax bill is a good problem to have. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. yeah.
4: I'll take that any day.
3: Yeah. Um, what, what about St. Thomas is interesting. Maybe we can touch on that for a minute or so here. Cause I've heard a lot of interesting deals in the last couple of years. And of all the places like where I've well, I've, all, there's been no places where I've heard about deals. Like, like you just said, except for, I've heard a couple of people mention St. Thomas as St. a pretty Thomas. interesting market. So it's right there by London. I mean, it seems like a, maybe a, a place that people, most people don't know about. It's not that big. So it's not a,
4: It's a small small town just, you know, 20 minutes south of London um, and and just 10 minutes away from Port Stanley Beach. It's it's a nice town that got hurt by the auto industry leaving. And so the values of the homes got depressed a little bit. And so there was opportunities to make money. But it's a nice town. um, And again, close to London. A lot of people who work in London will live there because it is a little cheaper. So there there is opportunities. Um, but London's also like that. There are many investors that come from come from the Toronto or GTA area to come to London and St. Thomas for the cash flow. We're one of the last places that could cash flow, where it's still good, nice cities that you're not dealing with too many issues.
3: Yeah, it's a relatively diverse economy, not not relying on just, just one thing. Not just one, especially uh,
4: London's not relying on one.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, what about starting out? So what about newer investors that come to you and want to like, how do you work with those people, uh, in terms of them getting started? And, you know, we talked about house hacking and recommending things like that. What does that look like though? How do you work with them and coach them?
4: So uh, originally what I'll do is sit down with someone and find out what their goals are. Um, and so if they're just looking to buy a house, then I always steer them towards house hacking. If they're just starting out and want to invest, I steer them towards house hacking off the hop. But it really depends on the investor. But I have, a, a I guess, a basic philosophy of real estate. And I teach people my idea of real estate is to get rich slow. And I'm going to do that over a long period of time. And I'm going to create generational wealth. And so I teach them to buy smart. A property has to cash flow or I'm not buying it. And for me, cash flow would mean a minimum of 5% cap rate last year. And probably I'm mean, be getting up to like a 6% cap rate as these interest rates rise back to where I was maybe three years ago, three years ago, I would recommend nothing under a 6% cap rate. And obviously that had to drop a bit. I also teach yeah. them to use, to use other people's money as much as possible, especially when you're starting out. So obviously in real estate we all use other people's money because we're using the bank's money so i try to get them to use as much as the bank's money as possible so if they're just starting out they could potentially use a cmhc mortgage 95 percent loan of value in a house hacking situation that's very little money tied up in the property and they're living for free they got to live anyways the third prong to my five five pillars would be add value so once you buy the property add value and that I add value all different ways. You might add a garage for more storage and rent that out. A simple way that I did with my the 15 unit is I added internet, similar to similar to um, a hotel. So everyone has Wi-Fi that I pay for. So now when I rent them out, I get more rent because I have Wi-Fi mm-hmm. included, and so it doesn't cost me very much for 15 15 units, but they're paying me extra each person. So. That's an, uh, one way to add value, but also add, add cash flow. And then I teach them to hold long term. And so when I mean long term, I mean, for me, I'm holding forever. I'm not selling most any of my core assets. I'm creating generational wealth for my family. And so my boys, this is going to be their inheritance. And hopefully they'll be able to take this over one day. So my goal is long-term. Now I'm going to probably refinance these and enjoy my life down in Costa Rica with Rob, but I'm not going to be there. My boys are going to get, you know, hopefully a very good inheritance. Um, so when I say long-term, I mean, basically forever. Um, if it makes, if the property makes sense. And then I teach them to refinance and then repeat the process. And that's how they're going to scale. So once you've added value to a property, all different ways, we repeat, refinance, and repeat um, until you get to the number of properties that you want to meet your goal.
2: Well, I like that you have, based on the market, this um, this threshold, right, for what you what you feel like the investment should look like, and that's not just an arbitrary number. That's the one that you look like or you look for. That's right. Um, when you're investing, so that's the one that you recommend to other people, and uh, and just having that in place, I think will will stop the whole uh, like wrong purchases from happening
4: that's right and that's why like meeting with someone right off the top and, and being clear on your goals and objectives we're not just buying real estate for the sake of buying real estate right you have to have a, a goal in mind and then that's where you come up to the strategy that's gonna work best are we gonna house hack are we gonna burr are we gonna flip buy multifamily? like i said they all work we can just buy a condo someone can just buy a condo and make lots of money i know guys that own 30 condos they love it because they don't have much they don't have much to do it's very little work for them so it all works you just have to know what you want your outcome to be and then you make a plan towards that outcome
2: so obviously we all want the the lifestyle um, you know more freedom in our lives but let's talk about the other things and obviously that too um, but the things that motivate you help you get to those goals and keep you going every day
4: yeah so it's a good question so, yeah, this is actually a really good question. I find interesting and it's interesting to me. So early on, probably not gonna lie, I was interested in, in things. I wanted a nice car, nice house. You know, I wanted I wanted money. And that's what would have interested me or motivated me early on. And it's interesting how fast that changed. And I find you're just you're just chasing money and you're never happy. And so for me, for me, what it what I realized is yeah, I had to have like a strong why. And I find that, again, for investing as well as for fitness or any other goal, the, the why has to be strong or you're not going to be motivated always. So for me, when it comes to say fitness, my mom died young and I turned 40 years old. At 40 years old, I decided I was going to change my life and get in the best shape of my life. But it wasn't for like vanity or aesthetics. It was for longevity i wanted to be have energy for my sons i wanted to be there for them long term so my goal is i want to be as fit as possible to give my to be with my boys as long as possible and the bonus is aesthetics and it comes as as a bonus and so the same thing with real estate is i have a goal to create this generational wealth for my family and i want my family my boys to have you know, the greatest start to their lives ever. And so that's what motivates me, not the money anymore. Um, and so I find that that will keep me on track longer. And the other the other part of that question that I find interesting is the inspiration. So I, I'm on social media, not as much as most people, but I'm on there. I try to be active. I get inspired by other real estate investors. I get inspired by other fitness enthusiasts. And I try to... I try to show people not to get jealous of them when you see someone doing well or envious to use that. When I see someone doing well, it's funny. I think I can do that. So I watch like a fitness video and the guy's doing a a guy does a a muscle up and he does like 20 of them. I can't do one, but I'm like, if he could do it, I can do it. And so that inspires me and motivates me to want to get there. And after six months, I was able to do a muscle up. And same thing. So right now I see a guy doing a flagpole. Have you ever seen that a guy doing a flagpole? He's just like on a pole and he's like horizontal.
3: Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. So
4: I I see a guy do that. I'm like, I can do that. I can't, I tried. I can't do it. It's almost impossible. Like literally impossible. But it's a goal now. If if that guy can do it, I can do it. So I use people as inspiration instead of envious and, and jealous. I use it as a, if he can do it, why can't I? Right? And so I've always had that mindset no matter
2: what, what it is in life. And I use those things as inspiration, you know, inflection means everything in a sentence like that. Like if he can do it, if he can do it, why can't I like, or, you know, the way that you said it, because I remember just talking about the gym and muscle ups. Like, I mean, I remember I, I sort of joined the gym at the same time as this one other guy. And, and you know, the one day I was in there and he came in and did, did his like first muscle up and I but I was jealous, but the reason why I couldn't do one and still can't is because I don't focus and practice and work on that as a goal. Cause right. if you do, then you can get it done.
0: And yeah. yeah so it's,
2: it and it's the same with, uh, it's the same, like when people look at real estate and they go, well, no, I can't do that because you know, everything hasn't been, I, it's, it's unclear how to get there right? Like you have to set that goal and then sort of work backwards from there on how to get it. 100%.
4: And I hear, I hear that as well. I started back in whatever it was in 1999 or 98. It was easier back then, or my mom helped me. Well, my mom never did help me at all. It was all on my own. Everyone Mm -hmm. has an excuse why it's not going to work for them, but I watch, I see people in their early twenties right now, killing it in real estate. I know a guy here in town Mm is he's in his mid twenties with maybe more units than I have. So it's possible. It's just a matter of, like you said, am I willing to focus and
2: actually do the work? I love that. That's uh, awesome. I think we, we all need a lot more motivation. Um, where do you see your business going in the future now?
4: Yeah, so I, I feel like I, I have a really good trajectory and it's been the goal the whole time, slow and steady. So for me, I, I'm very happy where I am, but obviously the goal would be to continue to grow it. At the state that I'm at the same pace that I'm growing it now, so every year buy you know buy another building if it makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, I just wait. And the idea was it would be to create enough cash flow that I can just enjoy my my time with my wife in retirement, and I could be anywhere in the world whenever I want to be. And my boys will be able to inherit this business.
3: It's funny how uh, you know I hear you talk about basically like kind of slow and steady wins the race kind of quote. And even in, even in your fitness uh, world, you kind of, you know, longevity is the key versus let's just, let's just go hard and, fit, you know, hit that short term goals. I think it's really, um, that's just, it, 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 it's good to hear, I think, because a lot of people will come on sometimes on our show and any other investors I talk to where they're just, they're all hot and excited about what's, you know, this whatever success they've had in a year or six months. And they're all like, amped up over it and not that there's anything really wrong with that necessarily. It's just uh, it's, it can be really, really easy if you just take a longer term outlook on it. it yeah. It's a lot easier. There's a lot less stress involved and you know, there's a balance in there somewhere depending on everyone wants something different, but it could be really easy. This game, if you just well,
4: yeah, 100. You know, I think, I think long-term for both things we've just talked about real estate, business, or, or fitness. If your goal is long-term and it's consistent, slow consistent disciplined it's almost a guarantee it's going to work you know and and, you know for some people like i said it's gonna be faster they have goals that they want quicker and and there's not there is nothing wrong with that but there is a lot of that in society today that quick fix you know magic pill it doesn't exist you got to do the work and that's a motto of mine i don't know where i first heard it but i live by it and it's, it's do the work i teach my boys it And I I live it. It's you have to put in the work if you want to succeed.
2: Well, I think especially when it comes to real estate, like a lot of people that want to get into it, for some reason, I guess it's those late night infomercials or something that they think that there is actually this like magic bullet that you know, as long as they do this one thing, overnight it's going to be very successful for them.
4: Yeah, for sure, and, and that's it is a that's a pet peeve of mine, like one hundred percent. There's a lot of people out there peddling, you know, get rich quick, and I'm sure it maybe it's possible you can do a flip, make a lot of money, but it, it really doesn't exist that get rich quick. You might get lucky, but long term investing it has to be it has to be controlled, done right, and you know, I, and everyone I guess everyone's definition of quick. For me, if I was to you know make a pretty good return in five years, to me that's pretty quick. My goal, my goal in all real estate is, you know, twenty to thirty years minimum. But even, I mean, those, like, have,
3: even those get rich quicks, even if they happen to work, because you know, for whatever reason the stars align, it's almost almost inevitable, like almost guaranteed that that's it's it's going to reverse very quickly after. They're going to give it away. They're going to, you know, they're going right. because they haven't you haven't put in that effort to earn it. You haven't it in, so yeah, to they speak, haven't put in haven't right?
4: put in the work or the fundamentals. Or you're going to yeah. see a market shift, and we're going to see that here. Stuff that worked. Last year, for people, I mean, you buy anything, it's going to, you know, appreciate. Yeah. That's going to be the case always. And so yeah, it's like- I, you know, we've been around long enough to know different markets. I've definitely seen different markets. And I remember when my one of my first properties, 8% interest rates. So, you know, it, it, it that's why the, the goal has to be long term for me anyway. Um, cause something that worked last year might not work this year.
2: Yeah that's uh that's great. And um I mean we kind of danced around a little bit but you're heading down here in a couple days. So yeah. we're going to get together. That'll be yeah. exciting.
4: Checking on my first international property that you helped me with. So I'm excited my wife and I Shannon we're going to come down there and just have a
2: vacation this time. Well see I, like I wasn't I, I, you were just here what? 2 months yeah. ago? Yeah, I was just here Something in, in like April. That.
4: We were there in April. Yeah, we, we closed the deal.
2: In April. Yeah. And then, and then you get to come back down because of real, what real estate's done for yeah, us.
4: Real estate's been really good to us. We have a good lifestyle. So we went to, we went to Costa Rica in April, we went to Bahamas in May, and now we're going to be going to Costa Rica in June and a little bit of July. So
3: when you go there and check up on your properties or make it a business venture, there's, there might be some tax uh, incentives. In there too, right? yeah, there's some benefits
4: to that part too. So we'll yeah. see how that works.
3: Yeah. Awesome.
2: All right. Um, David, how can people get in touch with you?
4: Um, probably the easiest way to get in touch with me would be my website. So it's real And so you've got real my phone,
2: London.com.
4: Yeah. And you'll have my phone number, email address there. And, and Okay, ever.
2: that'll be in the show notes. So anyone who uh, needs to see it in writing, whatever, uh, needs the link just go to the show notes for the show today and you can get in contact with David thanks very much for being here with us appreciate everything you shared it was a yeah. fun conversation too
4: yeah thanks thank you very much for having me it's, it's, it was an honor and I, I, I just love talking about this stuff so I'm, I'm glad you had me on and I look forward to seeing you on Monday awesome or sometime next week
2: um <laughs> Sandy how can people get in touch with you
3: um Sandy at freedomreps.com or they can find me on any social media platform pretty easily as well. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, thanks. Uh, David. that was awesome. It was an exciting show. Um, this is a good one. Another, another great one, Rob. We've got some great shows here in the last while. So, uh, add this one to the list.
2: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, people can reach me at Rob at Mr. Well, thanks for listening and we will see you next time.
1: You've been listening to the Breakthrough Real Estate Investing Podcast. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from the show, and we hope you've been inspired to take control and live life on your terms. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And don't forget to subscribe and listen on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. See you next time.